Welcome to our show, Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer. I'm a psychotherapist and the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. Each week, I'm joined by another therapist from the Anchor Light team to tackle important topics in mental health and psychotherapy. Our goal is to promote well-being by normalizing mental health challenges. We are here holding ground for you every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on KKNW. Welcome to Holding Ground, where we bring you a little bit of everything in the world of therapy and positive mental health every Monday morning. My name is Laura Richer. I'm a psychotherapist and the founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. Today, we have a special guest who you might be used to seeing as the person doing the interviewing, but today he is our guest on Holding Ground. Jake Wittenberg, who you all know is the anchor on King 5 News here in Seattle, joins us to share a little bit about what has been going on in the newsroom. As we continue to navigate these unusual times, Jake and the rest of the team at King 5 have been keeping us all up to date on the latest happenings. Have you ever wondered what it might be like for people working hard every day to keep us informed and what impact this might have on their mental health? As a trauma-informed therapist, I certainly have. Jake has been on the scene for all of it these past few years, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about the media and its impact from a mental health perspective. So, Jake, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. I'm so happy to have you here to share with all of our listeners because there's been so much going on in the news, especially this last year and a half. Just a little bit. Just a, just just a, a few things. Just that yeah. titch. More than a year ago. Can <laughs> yeah. you believe it's been I, more than a year? It is unbelievable yeah, how is much the world has changed. So what's been going on in the newsroom when we've had so much intensity from a global pandemic, an election, and all of the other stuff? Right. Uh, it just seems like there's one thing after another, doesn't it? I mean, we're, as a station, we are starting to move back into the building, which has been amazing. And turns out being connected physically as a newsroom is a very important thing. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. and I've, I've really learned that lesson over the last year of how important it is, the communication between all of us and just kind of keeping journalism going. It doesn't really work on little islands yeah. as well as you'd, you'd think that it would. Yeah. So, so good to see each other and get our minds together again, which is nice. Uh, and collaborate, I would yeah. imagine, and just have that energy between people. Right, yeah. absolutely. And it's it has been a very taxing year. I mm-hmm. think it was March 21st of last year when our chief of photography showed up in my, my garage with all of the camera gear and said, on Monday, you're going to start going live from the oh garage. <laughs> and it was 183 days. We wow. thought it was going to be less than a month, and yeah. it was 183 days. I never thought that was going to happen. Yeah. Who would have ever thought that was going to No, happen, I don't think right? any of us did. What was it like to report from your garage for one of the, I mean, maybe the biggest thing that's happened in our lifetimes? Right. On the one hand, it was... Um, it was helpful to have a little bit of quiet and a little detachment to where you can get your thoughts together and do little projects on the side, work with social media and things like that to try and stay on top of it and have all the feeds coming in. But it, it was very lonely, honestly. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, back to the point about being around everybody, that's something that I feed off of. Um, but not being able to be a part of the story is something that is just painful for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and to not be at the riots at the time to not be downtown, um, to have to sort of stay in the garage was being cut off like that was a very hard thing to get used to. Yeah. And it got very tiring, honestly. And in a way, I mean, you'd think that it would be less tiring because you're not running around as much, but it almost is more mental. Maybe it's the mental part of it that gets to you. So um, it was something I'll never forget. It was nice to have your children with you, you know, throughout the day and to come wake you up in the morning and just say hello in the garage. But 
Um, it just sure is more fun when you get to be at that front row seat of history and be out doing yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. I even had the experience of similar with working with clients in that I thought it'd be great to work from home. I don't have to commute in Seattle traffic. I could do everything online. And I did that for about a month and I missed that real in-person connection yeah. with my clients. So technology is amazing that it lets us do those things, but mm-hmm. that the ice, you can feel the isolation and all of that. You can. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it just makes you really kind of search inside of yourself more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like we will come, we will, we will find a way to fill that time. And for me, there was a lot of introspection, a lot of looking at like who I am, what am I doing in this business? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, let's face it, the news does have an element of, um, of performance, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. mean, you have to be able to sell it. You've got to have good camera presence. And if you're not a part of the story, you're kind of reduced to just that performative-based sort of mm. delivery. And that that got to me. That bothered yeah. me for a while, you know, to not actually be experiencing what I'm talking about. But then again, we were experiencing it yeah. because we were part of the pandemic and remote learning and things. So when, on the other sense, we were really entrenched in it. But to me, that felt like normal. That felt like my life. Right. That didn't feel like... I didn't do a whole lot of like, here's me learning how to wear a mask and here's me, you know, uh, suffering at home with my kids. Yeah. Me, I, I kept that very private. Yeah. That, that yeah. felt very private to me. Yeah. You know. Well, what a question that I had as we were preparing for this is what was it like to be reporting on such traumatic events throughout the year or mm-hmm. or such um, when we talk about the election and politics, I mean, where people were so divided. Mm-hmm. It was a year unlike any other for mm-hmm. for the reasons that um, I think we were all confronted with just who are we? Who are you? How much can one community take? Yeah. We're pushed right to the boundaries. And I, I spoke to uh, one of my colleagues in particular who just left this left the station for for other reasons. Um, she's been suffering from some serious PTSD. Mm-hmm. And she took me back to a moment when she was down in the riots um, and she was confronted by a journalist hating group of men carrying assault rifles, and they would confront her right to her face. And I was just, my jaw just dropped when she was sharing this story with me last week, but just yelling in their face and intimidating. Yeah. And there was this PTSD that really set in yeah. with her. She's been having to see some people to talk through this. And so... It is. It has been traumatizing. Yeah, it's been traumatizing, yeah. and I think all of us have been traumatized. If it wasn't someone up in your face with mm-hmm. assault rifles, we were. I felt personally traumatized by having to face with bad news every single yeah. day. You know. Yeah, and there's been so much bad news, and I think that's something people don't think about sometimes, and and we call that uh, secondary trauma in therapy, where you might actually not be experiencing the trauma, like your coworker, where she was actually confronted with a threat. You might just be observing it, but you're observing mass shootings and riots and and violence and and that really can take a toll and and traumatize someone. I think sometimes people aren't aware of that. Yeah, and yeah. we're we're I am supposed to be on top of every little part about it. And mm-hmm. so when I'm not on on camera, I'm I'm just constantly was researching the data and trends and making phone calls to check verify this and verify that. Um, and, uh, you know, that was just coronavirus. And, and then now uh, with the racial reckoning in our country, there's also some, some you know, <laughs> who am I? Yeah. There's this sort of figuring out, deconstructing who I am as a white man. Mm-hmm. And that is also very 
uh, important but very tiring. And yeah. so just kind of getting hit on all sides. And then the morning news, too, as we were just talking about, it's very cyclical and it's very repetitious mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. And yeah. so having to deliver bad news over and over yeah. and over again, there was an element of um, exhaustion with that fatigue that you don't realize until it kind of hits you. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine. I mean, especially in this last year and a half because there has been so much. So much. Yeah. Yeah, it has been so much. And we're supposed to, as journalists, have that cloak that we go into wherever we are and and we're not supposed to be a part of the story. Mm -hmm. But how could you not find yourself as a part of the story? We were all inflicted. Did you notice your coworkers and people in your industry had a lot of burnout this last year? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, because you you mentioned the one person who had the mm-hmm. that was confronted, but just even people just doing this day in and day out. Yeah, and yeah. it manifests itself in different ways. I mean, everybody deals with burnout in their own way, mm-hmm. and you know whether it's I have to take a day off here and there, um, or it's I I got into bike riding because I felt like that was a time that I could go disappear for ninety minutes and just no music, no nothing, just kind of zone out and let my brain decompress. Yeah. And um, that has been actually very liberating to kind yeah. of exercise more and find ways to an outlet. But other people have not been so lucky to find that. And yeah. so I think it, it does result in getting well, out of the business. It's interesting when I work with clients who are burned out is that they don't even realize they're burned out. They've, they're functioning at a lower level and they can't understand why, but it's because they've been pushing themselves so hard. But you have this obligation to your job and your kids and your family and and so people sometimes don't realize that that's what they're experiencing. And you need to do those things, just like you did, quiet your mind, go talk to somebody. But if you don't do those things, it can really have a negative impact. Yeah. yeah. It, it, so, so your, I guess, point of advice, you, mm-hmm. it's important to do that every day. You say, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're experiencing high levels of stress, like everyone has been this last year and a half. Mm-hmm. We can't. Our inclination sometimes is to just push ourselves to the the edge, but that is not a good strategy long term. You're gonna have a negative impact from that at some point. You know, and I I am the kind. Of, ask my colleagues. I was I've I've always been kind of the work hard, play hard mm-hmm. guy. That's my that was my mentality, and it was just I always found myself able to w- try and work harder mm-hmm. to get ahead. And when you're up against so much, yeah. it's hard to maintain that. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a segment called Good News Tuesday that I w- every Tuesday. I would have a bunch of good news. I would just sort of scrape the barrel to find anything I could to give some some people a little something different. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't continue it after a while because as you start to be started to become more personally affected by the pandemic, I lost a friend who died from coronavirus. I couldn't possibly go on to say, here's a bunch of good news. I, I just couldn't I couldn't connect those dots. Yeah. I appreciate the news trying to find some good news to share every I'll bring time. it back. Yeah. I'm going to bring it back. But yeah, when, and when things, it's that's a hard thing too to try to deny what is really happening. I mean, sometimes it doesn't feel like good news, especially what we've experienced this last yeah. year. It sure is nice to deliver the good news now, yeah. though. Honestly, it was a moment for tears when the CDC said, let's take oh, the mask off. Yeah. A lot of confused side order of confusion. Sure. But it's just overwhelmingly good, positive in a lot of directions. And you get to announce that schools are back in now and people are, things are opening up. And so hopefully there's a lot more good news to report in the future. Yeah. I hope so too. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking to King 5 News anchor Jake Wittenberg about what has been going on in the newsroom and in our communities during these unprecedented times. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional-sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. Thanks for tuning into our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. How do you define strength? Is it physical? Or is it mental? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's whatever empowers a person to dig deeper, fight harder, and overcome obstacles that once seemed insurmountable. Discover how much stronger and more confident your children can be. Encourage them to participate in a sport when they go to high school. This message presented by the Washington Interscholastic Activities Association and the Washington State Secondary Athletic Administrators Association. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Holding Ground. And today we're talking with special guest, King 5 News anchor Jake Wittenberg. As a journalist, Jake sees firsthand the impact these unnerving and historic times have had on our city. So, Jake, we've just been talking about what the impact has been with the pandemic, as well as all of the other things that are going on, political divisions, social unrest, homelessness. When you're out in the community, what are you seeing with, with the people that you interact with? Uh, exhaustion. Um, I, I was in a homeless camp recently where they were doing uh, vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And I found, honestly, I, I love going to a lot of the tent cities mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the tiny house villages because they, there is such a great sense of community mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't see. And um, so I, I'm seeing this like idea of getting back together, togetherness mm-hmm. again, and people planning for the future and less uncertainty. Um, but I, I also see a lot of acceptance for this new world that I think that we're entering now. And this, I always tried to call, I've always called it the Great Reset because mm-hmm. I feel like this has been a great time for people to sort of reevaluate, start afresh. Um, I'm hoping that it's something positive. Yeah, you know, there are some good things that came through this downtime that we had that we can bring with us as we as we move forward. Yeah, I hope so. I hope people were able to strip the good out of it, and it, at the time that, yeah. that they were able to do that. Yeah. So many, so much bad news for so long. We can, we have to rise up at some point. Yes, I think, so. yes, move forward. Yeah. Well, like I said in our last segment, I love that you make an effort to report on the good news, and I love your YouTube channel because I think you really show the humanity of the people that are struggling with mental health health issues, including an addiction. And there was one story I was watching as I was preparing for this that I thought was really impactful about your barista that you yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, my I uh, think. God, I found a 24-hour Starbucks that's open at 3 in the morning yeah. when I go to work every day. Oh, that's I didn't even a know blessing. that existed. That's it's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rose, Hill, Rose Hill and Kirkland. Um, and and I, so I got to know my barista, Yvette, yeah. who was also working the same god-awful hours. And um, we became friends. And over time, I found out that she has a son who's struggling from with addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she, with her permission, she let me kind of document her story and her journey with her son. Um and it's been years of following that, so I appreciate you watching that because yeah. I felt like a lot of people were impacted. I haven't seen a story physically impact so many people as yeah. that. 
yeah. people identifying with her son and identifying with Yvette and a mother who's struggling. And so, um, sadly, I think that they're still having a very tough time with yeah. this three, three or four years later, a lot of ups and downs. And that's one of the things that have, has come from the pandemic is a lot of people struggling with uh, already having mental health issues, including addiction, mm-hmm. that this is the isolation and the uncertainty has really triggered relapses and issues for people. Yeah, I've seen that a lot, too. Yeah. I've seen that a lot, too, especially yeah. with Yvette. So yeah. definitely thinking about her. But what I thought was so interesting about that story is that her son entered rehab after you aired that story. Is that accurate? He did. I yeah. think it was his third or fourth time entering rehab, mm-hmm. which sadly is not a very unique story that happened quite a bit yeah. um, and so he is still fighting through it and mm-hmm. she's still finding ways to help him yeah but that's such a great example of how the media can have a positive impact on the mm-hmm. community just educating people and yeah. highlighting resources and I think my business too is um, experiencing a, a, an awakening too with mm-hmm. the way that we tell our stories mm-hmm. so if you if you watch my YouTube channel I try to tell stories as authentically and transparent as possible mm-hmm. Some might call it a vlog style where it's it's like reality show. That's how yeah. I think people I- identify with getting their, their news now. And there, there is no fourth wall where the news anchors sit at the desk. And they, we yeah. still sit at the desk yeah. and talk in really deep voices <laughs> and wear suits and stuff. But um, there is this unveiling of real life, I think, that people really identify with. Yeah. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. yeah. Tell the truth. You got to you know, tell what's really going on out there and get into it and yeah. stop talking at it from a distance. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and I think I saw your piece on the homeless encampment as well on the news. And what I loved about that is just showing that community, showing those people. I know a lot of people are uh, fearful of homeless people, and just seeing that you know they're living, they're getting their vaccinations, they're they're just showing a side of them that I think sometimes isn't represented can be really helpful, just in um, impacting how people view that those issues. Mm -hmm. And I I have a very unpopular um, view of the homeless issue in Mm -hmm. Seattle where I have much more empathy than a lot Mm -hmm. of other people because I feel like I've been in those conversations with the homeless enough to where they're victims too. Yeah. You know, and we are experiencing a massive housing crisis and affordability crisis. And that's the byproduct of that. Yeah. So. And the fact that there is a lack of, of resources, that no one wants to be an addict. No one wants to be right. homeless. I saw a piece that you did interviewing um, a gentleman, and I think he said he was in his 50s. He was being moved. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. It might have been from a few years ago. Anyway, it was. Just, I felt that it was very moving and really showed that, you know, this is – there's just a lack of resources. No one wants to be living like this. Yeah, I can't imagine the stress. Too. Yeah. Every time I go to any of these camps, it's under an overpass or it's near a highway and it's just this constant barrage of cars. I mean, yeah. that's stressful enough. And they were moved every week and their belongings were moved to another location where they had to go back and mm-hmm. find them. And, and there was a woman in that piece who was talking about how she didn't really trust the system. So even if there were other resources available. Yeah. So I think those are all important issues that we can have bigger conversations about. Yeah, and I think people would be surprised at the number of homeless among that population that are homeless at the moment but will never be again. Mm -hmm. When they get out of this and they emerge from it in one way or another, you're catching people sort of at their low point. Right. And so why would you judge someone simply on their low point? Right. That just doesn't connect with me. Yeah. I don't get that. Yeah. Well, another story I wanted to talk to you about that I thought was also a fantastic story was there was a teen in – who I believe was she in Smoky Point, and you did a piece yeah. about her, Kylie. Yeah, tell us a little bit about Kylie because that was also a really important story. Yeah, she is my hero. Mm-hmm. Honestly, kids like that that are willing and brave enough to put themselves on camera and talk about the inner struggles that they have had. Um, Kylie struggled with depression mm-hmm. as a teenager, and I had a 
amazing uh, chance, interview, a chance to talk with her, her doctor as well. Um, and uh, she uh, is so frustrated by the social media, the expectations mm-hmm. and things like that. Kylie expressed that as well. Just people only posting their best moments. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Um, nobody posts the bad days. No. And so Kylie really struggled with that. Mm. And I, she had failed at suicide twice. Mm. And uh, she's finally, I actually text with her mom recently. She's doing really well now. She's emerged from it. Yeah. And so she's doing, she's doing really well. And those kinds of pieces will highlight that for other teens who are having those same kind of struggles, especially now. Um, suicide rates are so much higher with the isolation and, mm-hmm. and kids feeling alone and not knowing that, that other kids are struggling with the same thing or that there are resources that are available to them, that it's okay to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. You're not weak. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that you're seeing more people anxious about going back? So that has been very interesting. So the whole year I've been talking to people about isolation and how much they dislike that. But now that we're going back, that's a new thing that's coming up is they don't feel comfortable. They're not sure what to trust in terms of information. Should I wear my mask? Should I? Can I trust Mm -hmm. the CDC? Are the vaccines effective? Are my kids going to be okay at school? Yeah, it's been a lot. And then especially for kids who they've been outside of their social circle for a year. And, you know, you forget what it's like to be a teenager when you're an adult. That's really stressful to go back. Who are your friends going to be? What, mm. How are you going to be performing in school? Mm. There, I, I feel I feel that. Mm-hmm. I feel that just as there was this uncertainty and fear about having things stripped away from you, mm-hmm. there's this fear and anxiety about going, having it all added back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I don't, and, and it's not just being in a crowd again, which mm-hmm. is anxi- which is anxious in yeah. itself. But this, what is it going to be like? Am I going to be able to keep up? Yeah. Again, the, anybody who has that. Um, Keeping up with the Joneses, I think that's what it right. is. That's really flaring up right now, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. What What is the impact of this year mm-hmm. been and what is that going to look like Expectations. What yeah. Are we supposed to be perfect when we get back and yeah. like nothing happened? Yeah. No way, right? Yeah. There's no way. You can, And the little impacts that stick, like when we were coming up to the studio today, the elevator opened and there was someone in it. And I thought, do I get in? Do I not get in? What should I do in this situation? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. I had a camera too, so that was yeah. probably really freaky <laughs> for Travis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, weird. Coming up in the building, knowing how to interact. SNL just even did a skit on that. I don't know if you I saw love that. S- I feel like <laughs> SNL's handling it pretty well. Yeah. You know, doing the best they can. Everyone was awkward at a party. So quarantine. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just wonder about the expectations a lot. And um, where I feel like everybody's in the same boat, yeah. you know, and is there's this element of. Should we be putting on a performance of who we are anymore, or should we just be real? Yeah. You know, is there? I don't know if there's enough realness out there. Yeah. And I've never been able to put my finger on why that is. Well, I had a client who brought something up the other day that I thought was interesting in that she feels fearful that she has certain boundaries about the pandemic and what she feels comfortable with, mm-hmm. but that she's concerned about sharing that with other people because they're going to have different opinions. Maybe it's no big deal to them. Maybe they think she's too lax. And so she's kind of afraid to come out of quarantine because she doesn't know how people are going to respond to how she wants to handle it. Mm-hmm. And and the judging. Like, can yeah. we all just agree that we're not going to be judging anymore? Yeah. We, it just feels like that would be extra helpful. Yeah. And for the kids as well. I've tried to put on a really brave face through all of this. Can't be done all the time. Yeah. But I wanted to try to be a good example for my kids about just being strong, getting through this, sticking with your core values, and just remembering that there's there's a lot that you can't control. Yeah. You have this column of the things you can control, this column of things you cannot control. Yeah. So put it in the other column if you can't control it. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's tough for kids to, uh, to grasp that when their parents are struggling. Right. Exactly. Dude, and now that kids are transitioning back into school, what have you noticed has been really challenging for them? Oh, uh, well, some of my daughter's, uh, daughter's friends are having sleepovers again. Mm. And um, that's one of those, like, honey, do we do this? And we have decided no, not yet. Yeah. And so... You know, why can't this fan, why does this family get to do this? But we don't. Right. You kind of explain, well, we're, we're not ready for that. Those, yeah. That's not our rules. Yeah. Um, the mask thing, it's, we've never gotten used to wearing mm-hmm. masks. That's mm-hmm. always, that's always a challenge. And, um, you know, why, why can't I go over and play with Johnny? Having to explain why you can't play with your friends. It's tough for a six-year-old yeah. and an eight-year-old to understand that. Yep. It's it's amazing the resilience among kids, though, I will definitely say. Yeah. So grateful for the resilience of my children. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but for them to understand what's happening has been very interesting. My I have nephews who are seven and five, and trying to explain to them that there's a virus and we can't go to McDonald's to play on the playground anymore, right. they you know they can't understand what that means. But then yeah. there are things that I may never, ever do again after what I've learned. <laughs> yes. And McDonald's Playhouse may be one may of them. Maybe one of those things. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, we might wear masks in certain settings, yeah. you know, t- for the future. And I think, who knew that we spit so much? Yeah. All these, every, all the newsroom has these big shields. I'm thinking, I didn't know we had so much saliva floating around here. <laughs> Maybe we should pay attention to masks. Yeah. That. Even if COVID isn't the concern, we've got all of these other things that we'll still be dealing with ongoing. So right. there's no question. It's Maybe if a... we travel, I'll wear a mask. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal, I guess, yeah. in that situation. But sure have learned a lot. I sure have learned a lot. It has been a wild year. Well, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Jake Wittenberg from King 5 News, so stay tuned. You're listening to Holding Ground on KKNW. This message is from the National Council on Aging. Adults over age 60 are at higher risk for the COVID-19 coronavirus because they may have weaker immune systems or chronic health conditions. The Centers for Disease Control recommends older adults avoid crowds and people who are sick. Wash your hands and disinfect surfaces often. Keep a two-week supply of food and medicine on hand. Learn more at ncoa.org. Thanks for tuning in to our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 a.m. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Holding Ground here on KKNW. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and today we're talking to King 5 News anchor Jake Wittenberg about the media, mental health, and more. So, Jake, I've noticed with my clients, especially this last year and a half, that there's kind of been a negative impact on people's mental health from hearing all of this bad news. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that can have something to do with the way that it's reported. Sometimes it's maybe a little um, deceptive or inflammatory. 
What are your thoughts about that? Well, I, I definitely understand how news can inf- what you see on the news can inflict trauma, um, whether it's visually or just the constant barrage of the bad news. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I would say, you know, we're we're just the messengers. Yeah, and, and it's um, it, it's it, it's an opportunity as journalists to just try to give the most unbiased information as we can. Let the viewer decide. Mm-hmm. And our job is not to to know everything and to have the truth at all times. It is to constantly verify and be testing the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, I always tell any anybody that I talk with, remember, journalism is the only constitutionally protected mm-hmm. occupation. And it's, it's pretty profound if you think about yeah. that. And it shines you know, light on the darkness, gives voice to the voiceless. And so I really, really believe in it. And I... I I understand why people cry fake news. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there are a lot of bad apples, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of outlets that are have, a, have an agenda. I don't mm-hmm. think that's all of them. Mm-hmm. I think local news has become more important than ever yeah. for that reason, too. Yeah, absolutely. So what has it been like for you as a journalist in this era of fake news to try to do your job? Has that made it more challenging? Yeah, it, yeah. it has. And um, challenging in that. You don't like to be called fake all the time. Mm-hmm. And when I say all the time, I mean all of the time. Yeah. It's We have a text line that people can reach reach us in the morning at the anchor desk, 206-448-4545. <laughs> and it is very much filled every day with people that, mm-hmm. that have something to say about journalism and fake news. And these are very divisive issues. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, the race issue in our country has been a divisive issue for mm-hmm. hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And we're just working, we're working through this now more than ever. And so um, that's one issue. Um, The coronavirus, it feels like when the CDC says one thing, a month later they say another thing because they're learning too. This is a novel coronavirus. And so who do they people blame? They blame who told them, you know, whatever we said a month ago, even though at the time everyone thought based on the best information, that was the truth that we had. Yeah. And Which so seems really obvious as we're learning there's going to be new information, but mm-hmm. not always the case, huh? Right. And I think a lot of people have been cooped up in their house. They have access to the Internet and everybody wants to be heard mm-hmm. just naturally as humans. We yeah. want to be we want to be heard. And so uh, people take their frustrations out on the people they can connect with and people that they think is to blame. And some people think that's the media. So yeah. I don't believe that that's true. Um, I think, you know, we must be objective at all costs, you know, but there are some issues that that are black and white. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of news stations have taken a stand on vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Um, they've taken a stand on masks, mm-hmm. things that help the public good and mm-hmm. public safety. And those can be divisive issues. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And like you said, it. Local news, especially now more than ever, is so important. I remember when the pandemic first happened, we were just sitting in front of the TV waiting to see what the next announcement was. That was how we got our information. There was really no other way to get it. So we need that as a public service. We don't want people shutting down the news. (laughs) No, yeah, no, that has very dire consequences in general. I mean, there are a lot. I think there's a lot of people that exploit news and exploit Mm -hmm. their platform for for one agenda or another. I think those people are obvious. But, you know, like I said, we, we got into this business to for the greater good and for, for – I, I feel like as well it's it's a public service. Yeah. The t- news is. Mm-hmm. You know, getting out these press conferences that from health officials and for me election day mm-hmm. is one of the reasons we exist to try to get, you know, results out. And so it's not the – I don't think it's the medium that's the problem as much as it is, you know, some people that 
that are in a different realm. Right. If they're not on the unbiased news, they're they're trying to get their political beliefs out there. That's just a different genre of media right, right now. More entertainment-based, it seems, some, yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, and that's on both sides. Yeah. It's on both sides as well. Yeah. And like I said, that's why I think local news is as important as ever because mm-hmm. these are hardworking folks that yeah. are trying to get it right. Yeah. Um, the business has been very corporatized, mm-hmm. too, and that's been frustrating to see it. I mean, there's fewer and fewer companies own more and more of the news stations in the country. And so that is frustrating to see. It's um, Does, I, I miss the days of the old hometown. King Five was locally owned. You know, um, Miss Dorothy Bullitt. And yeah. those days are long gone. Mm-hmm. And and those that has a side product. I mean, um, it's a tough topic mm-hmm. because I I'm in love with news. My, my dad was a newspaper publisher. My mom was a reporter. Wow. It's been in my family. Um, you know, times are changed and. These companies have to make a buck, and they have to sell a product. Yeah, you just have to not make yourself the product. <laughs> you, you need to just continue to just stick to your guns and be unbiased. Bottom line. So, is there pressure to report in a certain way or from a certain angle in some of these situations? Not with my company. Mm. Yeah, not with my company. There are other stations where um, corporate has more of their fingerprints on a lot of the coverage. Um, I work for one of those stations. Um, in a different market where they they call them must airs mm-hmm. and you have to air certain things that the company wants you to air. Mm. It may not be in the greater good of your viewers, but yeah. so that's been frustrating yeah. honestly to see that happening. Yeah. When you get the complaint line calls coming in, what are the things that people are feeling stressed about? Because uh, local news seems pretty neutral to, to me. Right. Yeah. Honestly, we get a lot of people that say, why are the reporters in the field wearing their masks and they're out in the middle of nowhere? I'm like, I get what you're saying, (laughs) but we have a corporate policy. Yeah. Um, You know, like I said, people are – people think that they're being called a racist Mm. too. That's been been a big point of frustration for a lot of people that they feel like when we are doing stories about racial justice, um, about George Floyd – they feel like it's bias against white people. Mm. And that's a lot of the feeling that we get. Okay. We're getting to some heavy territory here. Yeah. But um, I'm I'm just surprised at the amount of vitriol that comes out of this. And people right. that have negative things to say about facing race, which is our series on race relations. Mm-hmm. And um, it's surprising, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. People get so upset and so worked up about it. Um, do they do that in understand. an anonymous way, though? Are they're not? Are you actually interacting with them? Or are they just sending text messages to the line? That's the problem. A yeah. lot of it is anonymous, right? Yeah. I think a lot of what's happened on social media and the internet has just given people a megaphone uh, and a tool to to do harm. And, yeah. and I I don't like the anonymous um, aspect of it. That's very hard to, to take. If you have a lot of feedback, I feel like you should be putting your face or at least your name on it and having that conversation instead of just dropping bombs. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think with social media, we've for a long time now, we've it's been crazy. yeah with the trolling and, and all yeah. of those kinds of things. And yeah. it'd be interesting to see sometimes if people would actually want to own those comments, if you knew who was saying them. As much as I love YouTube and getting my work out there yeah. and all these, all these great platforms, I actually love TikTok. Mm-hmm. I think it's really fun. Um, I, I, I think it's, and you probably hear this all mm-hmm. the time, but I feel like every problem in our life can all stem back to Social media. (laughs) 
it sure <laughs> seems like that. <laughs> it, it just feels yeah. that way. It yeah. just exacerbates problems. Yeah. Well, just the comparison, you know, especially kids feel that, um, seeing, you know, everyone's best day or what everybody has, making them feel yep. less than. So that definitely is a problem that I see in my business, people comparing themselves. Whenever people start comparing themselves to other people, there's going to be problems. So that's what social media really is all about. But on the flip side of that, I would never be out here getting my message out if there wasn't social media and things, YouTube, things where I could share information. Right. And I don't know what, you know, I I had, had, we had one idea in the newsroom the other day, these like software engineers, they they should be taking an oath. Mm. Like maybe these engineers, these artificial intelligence especially should be required to take an oath so that they're not using their, you know, the online tool as a weapon. Right. And use it for the greater good. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was an idea we should try. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Take an oath that you're going to use the platform for good yeah. and not evil. Yeah. Well, because cyberbullying is a real issue that has, I mean, people have committed suicide because of people having a format to just get all of this mm-hmm. negativity out there. Yeah. And yeah. now my daughter, my daughter sees what I do and she loves it and she loves to take part in it, but... She wants to get her own TikTok account, and I have to. Mm. I, I need to explain to her why we're not going to get you a TikTok yeah. account. Um, I don't want you on the internet. Yeah, you know, I don't know where this goes. Right, the internet is a commercial entity, mm-hmm. in my opinion. That it's just about all that it's good for, and I, I mean, in terms of um, just you know what it is. Yeah. So. Yeah, that is so hard for parents, and I honestly missed social media when I was in high school in the '90s, and I am so grateful for that because who knows what kind of silly things mm-hmm. we might have said that will still be out in the world today. So I really feel for these kids who are trying to navigate that, you know, with not a full functioning adult brain and making some choices that could have really negative impacts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a critical part—not a fully functioning adult brain. Right? Yeah, you haven't developed what part of it? Haven't you developed? Well, you haven't developed the part of your brain that allows you to weigh out consequences fully. So that's why teenagers are so reckless, because they have very black and white thinking. You know, if my boyfriend breaks up with me, I'm going to die. You know, they don't they can't see that there's going to be something beyond that. Mm. So that is what makes it so challenging with social media is I have clients who have kids who are posting, um, you know, naked pictures of themselves on the internet Mm. or arguing with people on the internet. And these are kids that are like 14, 15 years old. Mm. So they have access and then they're open to predators. I mean, it's a, that's a whole other show we could do. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, It has been, it's been a really important tool for the media though, to get Mm -hmm. our message out there, but it sure does open up a lot of comments. Yeah. Two sides to everything. Of course. Yeah. It's been quite, it's been quite the year, you know, just to back to what we were saying too. Just this, this trauma that we're all feeling and yeah. learning how to communicate with each other again in person. Yeah. It's that it, it, and without a mask, there's a lot going on under the mask <laughs> that helps us communicate yeah. with each other non-verbally. I yeah. miss that. Yeah. I do too, especially now that we aren't wearing masks in my office. There's clients who have taken their masks off and I just had a totally different idea yeah. of what their face looked like. I didn't even really know what they looked like. It was like, oh, nice to meet you. Right. Yeah. And I coach, I coach Little League too. We just had our last game and we did picture day and the kids took off their masks like, I've never seen you yeah. before. Yeah. It's a whole different person. Yeah. It really is something. Yeah. And I've also, on the flip side of that, heard people say that they like wearing the mask because they don't have to feel like they have to engage when they don't want to. That mm. they There's some, like, anonymity that comes with that. So that people too. are feeling stressed about taking the masks off as much as they are about wearing them. That's interesting. Like yeah. you were saying, that, that like, peeling away mm-hmm. from going back into normal life, there's something anxious about that. And I wonder if we're going to get back to as full capacity as we were. Yeah. Because it felt really crowded then, and we've only you know, been yearning to be together again. I just wonder if there's going to be this problems because of that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it'll be slow. I think there are a lot of people that are still very hesitant, as much as there are people that are just ready to. I had a client say to me that she just wanted to be, like, in a concert with other people sweating on her, like, in a mosh pit. She just wanted to be with the people again. So there's that perspective. (laughs) I miss mosh pits. That's the first one that I've heard. (laughs) People sweating on me. That I could do without that probably. Yes, exactly. Not missing the sweat. Yeah. And then other people who are still – I have clients who have not left their house still the entire year. And that, uh, from a mental health perspective, is not good either. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's that makes me ordered sad groceries, yeah. and now there's a lot of fear. Anyone who had health anxiety has been very challenged. This fear of getting sick has been very challenged mm, this year. Mm, no, I yeah. can't even. We had a girl on our, um, and my daughter's Girl Scout troop. They had to quit just because of that reason. They just couldn't participate in anything, and because of anxiety, because of anxiety of yeah. of health, and um, so I hope Eloise is doing okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, that's tough, that's, especially for little ones. Yeah, well, yeah. is there a permanent? Lasting damage is what I guess we have yet to see, right? So Taking the, a year off. Yeah. I So the only example that I have of that in my own mind is my grandmother, who passed away many years ago, was part of the Spanish flu, and she was a small child then. And she was an intense germaphobe her entire life. Mm. I mean, if we took care of us, we had to wash our hands incessantly. She, If she took us to a public restroom, she kind of TP'd the bathroom before she would let us use it. So I thought about, I've thought about her a lot when this has been happening, that I think that that did have a lasting impact on her, mm, her entire life. Or this time off from school, for example, for kids. Mm-hmm. Is remote learning going to stunt the growth of this generation? Yeah. I, 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 my kids, and I feel like a lot of other kids I know, have learned a lot more about resilience mm-hmm. and, and getting good at dealing with bad news. Yeah. To me, that's a skill I never thought I would yeah. need. But if you can get good at dealing with bad mm-hmm. news, when bad news inevitably comes, it's yep. it's going to be – there's less friction, I suppose, when yeah. it comes. Well, yes. Being resilient and learning skills around being – tolerating stress are super important. And kids have had the opportunity to learn that this year. Mm-hmm. What I see as the negative impact of going back is if the system as a whole doesn't recognize that last year wasn't a normal year and that they push these kids back in and expect them to be totally – on par with what you know, whatever the standards are for their grade, and don't take into consideration that we're probably just not going to step back into this as normal. Right. Yeah. No, I, I totally see what you're saying, yeah. and I think I don't know if the system is built for that either, because mm-hmm. I think everybody was traumatized, yeah. right? The principal to the crossing guard, yeah. to the students in between, everybody was feel, dealing with the same. In a way, that's a blessing, right? Because there's no bias towards who was affected and who is not. Right. We were all affected. Yeah. Yeah, that's really something. A yeah. global pandemic. This is what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> we now know what it's like to live through such a traumatic a global event. Pan- yeah. But we've had global pandemics before, but nothing like this. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Not No one here to remember the last one or not many people here to remember the last right. one. Right. They don't happen frequently enough yeah. to learn lessons that we can pass down yeah. onto our you know, kids and to the next generation. Every hundred years is not, not soon enough. Yeah. Not enough time. Yeah. And you can't really wrap your mind around that, I don't think, unless you experience it. I remember my grandma talking about how they weren't allowed to play with other kids and they had to stay in their backyard. And mm-hmm. and I just thought, wow, that was weird in the old days. Like I didn't <laughs> Right. Think. You know, it's interesting. We were just talking looking at this in the newsroom, that if you look at some of the, the curve uh, hospitalizations and deaths, at least the best curves that we had from 1918, and compare that to today's, yeah. they're strikingly similar. And that's just human nature and play there in that curve. But we have a vaccine now. Mm-hmm. And the amount of vaccine hesitancy is making our curve look very similar to what it was in 1918 when we didn't have one. So wow, that's trying to so wade through what that means. Interesting. But there you go. Yeah. Well, and that's where I think responsible reporting is so important, too, is that, you know, people are getting conflicting information. I've talked to people who are very pro-vaccine. I've talked to people who are not pro-vaccine. And they all have valid 
arguments of why that is sure. based on the information they're taking yeah. in. Yeah, my we have uh, neighborhood gatherings once in a while, frequently actually, and one of our neighbors and her kids are they do not get vaccines, mm. and and I just didn't understand that. You know, the the push to get vaccines so important right now, and mm. so it's like, I just can't you just mm-hmm. for your own sake? There's so much personal mm-hmm. benefit in this vaccine. Yeah, and she had some. Very good reasons, health-wise, and things that she's seen with her own kids to make them not want to do it. Yeah, and I'm not one to judge that. Yeah, and so it's I understand mm-hmm. when she explains it to me. So when you attach the personal stories to it, it makes more sense. So the problem is, there's just we need to get herd immunity. Yes, to a certain extent. <laughs> right, right, and it's like you said with uh, the the example that you gave. I have also worked with people who they have a very compelling argument, and their fear around it is very real. And while that doesn't align with my own perspective, I, I don't judge that because I can yeah. see that that's where they're they're coming from. But like you, I want herd immunity so we can all engage in yeah. regular life again. There is always two sides of the story. Yeah, you know, back to journalism as it was. There's yeah. always two sides of the yeah. coin, and until you learn that other person's story or you go seek that other person's story, you really don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's so important. All right, well, we're going to take one more quick ba- break, and okay. when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Jake Wittenberg. It's time that you are heard, and I don't mean in just a conversation. I mean really heard. Imagine hosting your very own radio program on Alternative Talk 1150. Talk about being heard. Call 425-653-1150 right now to learn how affordable it can be to host your own radio show. Time slots are going fast, so take hold of this chance by dialing 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Thanks for tuning into our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Find our app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and take us with you wherever you go. Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Holding Ground here on KKNW. So as we've been talking about, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I am here with King 5 TV anchor Jake Wittenberg. And Jake, I know you've done a lot of stories on mental health in the past few years. Mm-hmm. And what is it that draws you to doing those stories? I, I, to me, it's the idea of giving a voice to the voiceless. You know, mm-hmm. Back to our friend Kylie, we talked about mm-hmm. uh, earlier, a teenager who's been struggling with um, depression and anxiety. Um, I felt... Uh, a, a duty to mm-hmm. give her a voice and a megaphone and to let her story be told, you know, to maybe help. We say, if we're going to help one life, of mm-hmm. course it's worth doing the story, yeah. right? And so um, I feel like that's part of where our public service comes in. Mm-hmm. We we should feel a duty in the media to let these stories be told and give them the time they need so that 
others in of our members of our audience can tune in and maybe identify with Kylie and maybe mm-hmm. see a little bit of their struggle in her and maybe find ways to deal with that in their own lives. Yeah. I love getting on professionals on air. You've been on New Day Northwest mm-hmm. before and just getting experts on to talk about Help us navigate through all of this. So important. And it's so helpful to destigmatize. Everyone has mental health issues, whether you have serious mental health issues or maybe you just suffer from depression or anxiety. Everybody is going to have some sort of or trauma is going to have some sort of mental health issue in their life. And the more we can talk about it, it will destigmatize it so that people will seek help and resources. I mean, the real shame that I see is when people don't seek resources and and the outcome really can can be deadly. Yeah. So, I, I, I feel like, and I wanted to ask you this as mm-hmm. well, but I have felt the darkness creep in in my own life, mm-hmm. you know, and you start to self-examine who you are and one day you wake up and you go, oh my God, am I depressed? Mm-hmm. I, 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 am I depressed right mm-hmm. now? I'm showing all of the symptoms for this yeah. and I I feel this horrible feeling of imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and I feel like that is so real. Yeah. And for the first time in my life, I feel like I've had that darkness creep into a point where it gets scary. Yeah. And that's been a difficult thing in my life to deal with, frankly. Yeah. And because people don't always want to talk about that or they view it as a weakness, they start to think, well, there's something wrong with me. So I need to hide this. I need to power through it or deny it. And that that actually is the worst approach. You can there are resources. I'm, of course, a big fan of people going to therapy. Um, but there are all kinds of different things that you can do to take care of your mental health. And I don't see your mental health as any different than your physical health. So mm-hmm. when somebody comes to me and they say, gosh, I have this. I'm having panic attacks. I'm, maybe I'm going crazy. Maybe I've lost my mind or I'm not trying hard enough. It's like, well, no, it's like it's like you threw your back out and you just needed it to heal. You have thrown your nervous system out and you need it to heal. And mm-hmm. there are the things that you can do to really take care of that. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if this is like a, a time when that self-examination mm-hmm. is is needed. Yeah. You know, this is just a time when we're having a moment to look in into ourselves right. and who we are. And it seems normal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, it can be really challenging, too. And sometimes it's helpful for people to, to know that and that there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you weak. And it's mm-hmm. OK to look inward and ask those questions and and sort things out. Yeah. yeah. And um, it, it, it it's been tiring. That's for sure. And yeah. Remote learning doesn't help either. Because no. like, no. <laughs> you, you need time for yourself. Yeah. You need that time to yeah. kind of let it out. Oh, we've been doing a lot of couples therapy, family <laughs> therapy, uh, just because everybody has been together on top of each other. Early in the pandemic, I had quite a few couples who lived in one-bedroom apartments in Belltown, and they're working from home, and they're together all day long, and you don't get that time for yourself. I had a lot of people say to me, I didn't know how much I needed my morning commute, like, away from everybody. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's quiet time. Yeah, you know, or your podcast time exactly. or whatever, you know, listening to HG on the way in. Yep. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's been, it's been hard to see some of my colleagues going mm-hmm. through that as well and my neighbors and friends and people that have reached the lowest point. Yeah. And, um, it, that, that has been hard to see as well. And like I said, people that journalists in my industry that are, that are suffering severe burnout, mm-hmm. um, physically and mentally people, younger kids who get into this business that are, eager and ready to change the world and now they're getting chewed up and spit out yeah. and I just don't know how to help them yeah I, I wish I had the magic whatever but mm-hmm. that's been really hard to see well I think one of the things is that we can just talk about it we can talk about burnout and that burnout is going to be a normal part of of 
living in a global pandemic and all of the things that are going on in the world right now. And again, that it's not a weakness that we all experience these kind of challenges. And there are different ways to treat them and work through them. And and I think the media can be a real ally in helping people with mental health issues and just talking about it and bringing light to these situations. Yeah. Or people turning to substance yeah. to, to, you know, calm themselves down and get mm-hmm. themselves through it. So that's tough. I, I can yeah. identify with, with, you know, needing something, needing to, to do something and uh, about it. So yeah. brighter days are ahead, yes. I think, Doc. I agree. I agree. <laughs> well, Jake, I'm so glad that you could come and talk to us today. I really appreciate you, you being on the show. Me. Yeah, I appreciate the time. I hope that this helped anybody listening um, understand what we're going through and understand um, how we might be able to help. So yeah. I, I just thanks for the time. I think it did. Thank you so much for sharing. So we're out of time for today. Thanks, Jake, for joining us, sharing your insight and helping bring attention to Mental Health Awareness Month. We'll be back next week to continue the conversation. So be sure to tune in for another episode of Holding Ground here on KKNW. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. We'll see you next week.